Hello, and welcome to the My Life in Design podcast, brought to you by the Design Community Hub and design-focused PR agency, Red Setter. I'm Claire Blythe, co-founder of Red Setter, and in series one, I'm speaking to 10 people who are shaping the world of design. What first inspired them, how they got started, and then different ways that they formed their career. Welcome, Heidi Lightfoot. Thank you so much for joining us. Heidi co-founded Together Design 18 years ago, which is a branding agency working in retail, education, the arts and not-for-profit and work with clients like Penguin Books, Charbonnel and Walker, Boots, Fortnum and Mason and do lots of fantastic design for them. Welcome, Heidi. It's really good to speak to you. Oh, thank you, Claire. Thank you for having me. So I just really wanted to ask you basically how you got started in design. What made you want to become a designer? So could I sort of take you right back to when the idea first came into your head? Was it, was it a school thing? Was it later than that? Yeah, uh, when, when you sent me the earlier questions to think about you know, what made you want to be a designer, and yeah. I had to sort of admit, I didn't really know what a designer was until I started being one. So it really wasn't my ambition at school or at A-level, even sort of through to art foundation. There were, there were lots of other things I quite liked, and I still think there would be other careers that I'd quite enjoy. <laughs> I would have quite liked to be a journalist or a, I quite, was quite interested in psychology. And mm. I think they all have an element of investigation because maybe I'm naturally nosy. And then, <laughs> thank goodness, I ended up as a designer because it's the perfect career for a nosy, curious person. <laughs> so I did like art at school and I had some great art teachers who were frankly all the cool people and very passionate about the subject. And I did think, oh, how nice to do something creative all day. But I also liked stories. I liked reading. I liked puzzles, partly because they were force fed to me by my maths teacher mother. And I think I, it was a surprise even for my family that I went into art and they thought I would do something sciencey. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, I can see the links that I liked storytelling, you know, clear articulation. That's pretty important for brand people. And, you know, we're just telling stories through words and pictures and solving puzzles to make complicated things seem simple. So maybe that's a bit of you know, yeah. justification. <laughs> I think the whole the way that people get separated, it's still even now, people would say to me, you're more of a scientist or an artist and that kind of thing. That's one of the things I love about design and certainly brand design, that I think it merges the arts and the science really well. Yeah. I did a degree in biology, but I think that it's all about investigating and the whole puzzle solving and it's working through problems, isn't it, to come up with a solution that happens to be a creative one that people can see yes. which is more the art side of things exactly it's just problem solving yeah which yeah, I, absolutely. I wouldn't have realized that part of it really until I started being a designer I yeah. thought it was much more purely visual and not so much problem solving and I think that's probably what a lot of people still think if they're at school that they think of it as an aesthetic endeavor and not Definitely. necessarily about really solving problems yeah absolutely I think it is that 
uh, you know, quite a lot of people I've spoken to about design have mentioned interest in psychology. Mm. And I think that's, that's it, isn't it? That kind of the psychological problem solving, what's going to, how you're going to communicate to a certain group of people yeah. isn't necessarily an aesthetic thing. Because you'll make it look as great, as nice as possible anyway, but it's about communication necessarily. Yes, yeah. I could never have done that because I totally flunked all my exams apart from art. (laughs) 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 I was telling someone the other day how I got my A-levels. I did art, English, history. English, I got an E. And (laughs) history, I got an N. I don't even know what N stood for. I think it's like, nice try, don't bother. Um, (laughs) Because I already knew I was going to do art. I already had my sort of art foundation placement and I just put all of my efforts into that and was a very bad student in in other things (laughs) (laughs) I think that in itself is really interesting isn't it that you don't need to be getting straight A's you don't need to be really good at the specific exams that you're set it's about a mindset and I do think it's really interesting what what design actually is and kind of if you're thinking about sort of there are any students listening now what it actually consists of Mm. that I, I would have thought, yeah, it, it's not necessarily the art project. It's the, I think I worked in design, I worked in a design agency for about two or three years without understanding the difference between advertising and design. So if you take it right back, we're doing branding projects or advertising projects, I kind of just thought they were all the same thing. I think I thought that design was the same as illustration or the same as drawing yeah. and hadn't entirely appreciated all the other things that go into it but it's not a good life lesson to say don't bother with all your other exams no not (laughs) at all (laughs) the world is a different place now and you would be judged on those other yeah but when I was applying it was really your portfolio so where did you go for your foundation course um that was Cambridge where I mainly grew up um I remember filling in one of those like forms at school that told you what career you might be interested in. And mine came up with chiropodist. <laughs> I, think I'd, I think I'd answered a question. Would you rather work on a submarine or, I don't know, massage someone's feet? <laughs> so I think I'll do, I think I'll do the feet. And it obviously you know, came out with this strange suggestion for me, but um, that really wasn't an interest of mine. And yeah, I was, fair enough. Art Foundation was fantastic because I got to experiment with sculpture and life drawing and design and textiles. And when I came out of that year, I thought I was more suited to illustration and I loved sort of creating patterns. Mm. It was quite a, a close call whether I would do textiles or graphic design. Oh, and I actually applied to do a degree in illustration, but um, didn't get a place and ended up at Newcastle doing design on a course that was very craft focused. So it had a lot of illustration and photography and typography as part of the course. And thank goodness, thank goodness I ended up there. I realised I wasn't really the best illustrator much better people than me on my course and um I was more suited to design oh that must have been quite a a big realization did so at that point did you think I'd like to work in did you know about the design industry I suppose I really don't think I knew what a day-to-day 
job of a designer would be until I did a work placement in my second year. And that was at Trickett and Webb, which is where I then went to work on my sort of second job in in London after I'd graduated. And that was really formative because suddenly I could see how it all worked and realise sort of how briefs came in and the different parts of the puzzle. And that's really what I fell in love with. It's all the different elements that you're bringing together in a piece of work called design or called branding, whatever you want to call it. Actually, it's, it's the coming together of all those different pieces, which I really love. And those pieces have increased since since you first started. Must have, like, the channels, have they increased now with the sort of digital side of things as well? Or? Yes, they have. I think you need to you need to know just enough to be dangerous in lots of different subjects, possibly more than you used to know about before. Yeah. Um, you, cer- you certainly don't need to be the expert. You just need to, you need to know a little bit about what you don't know in order to then gather around you excellent people who, who do know what they're talking about. And I love that part, that sort of element of direction where you're bringing lots of people together to create a, a lovely end result. It's a little bit like film or theatre, mm. where you've got to kind of keep that creative vision in your head. You've got to keep the the main objectives of your client in your head all the way along, and then sort of spin lots of plates to bring things to fruition. Yeah, I like that sort of film analogy. Lots of different experts working together to produce the final result. Yeah, definitely, mm. that works really well. So what was Trickett and Webb? What did you well, what did you do there? What how did you start out your first role? Well, my first role, so when I when I was at Newcastle, I entered the DNAD okay. student design competition. Yeah, which must have been in its early years. Um, this is 1994. Um, and I won. And I won the category that I entered, and I also won student of the year, which Brilliant. I was I was gobsmacked. I was really did not expect it. The project that I had designed as as part of the competition, I then it was sponsored by a, a print company. So I went to work. That was my first job. I went to work for the print company to to make it a reality. So they turned my student project, which was a sort of marketing brochure, into into a real thing. So that was that was great. I kind of graduated on the Friday, drove down and started work on the Monday, living in a cupboard. <laughs> it was a cupboard <laughs> that some friends had rented me. <laughs> and friends, no window. You had to drag the bed out of the room in order to be able to shut the door. <laughs> it was a cupboard under the stairs. But, but That's brilliant. Yeah. I had a similar thing when I first moved to London. I basically lived in a friend's corridor that had, was quite a long corridor on the way to her bedroom, and there was a curtain that pulled across over the bed. So that oh was my... <laughs> it's basically the corridor to the toilet. <laughs> the curtain for the bed. It was very glamorous that for about sounds... three months. <laughs> that sounds very similar. I remember just, yeah, thinking... I slept really well because there was no natural light. <laughs> also quite hard to get up in the morning. Uh, but yes, I ended up working at that um, print company for about a year and had also kept in touch with the 
the guys at Trickett and Webb and so was speaking to them and eventually a position came up. So I moved there after about a year and worked at Trickett and Webb for seven years. And you know, they they were just wonderful, gave me lots of opportunities to grow. They had amazing clients and just this absolute commitment to great ideas and crafted design, definitely a a, a sort of passion for illustration mm. that was part of the studio. And when I look at Together Design now, I can see how formative yeah. my experiences were under Lynn and Brian at Trickett and Webb. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's another thing that I think keeps coming up, speaking to people about how they got into design. The importance of putting yourself out there, so winning the DNAD, Student of the Year, is just mm. a fantastic way of highlighting yourself. And also doing something that I like, I hate the word networking. Technically, mm. that's kind of what you're doing, isn't it? It's, I mean, networking to me always used to mean being in some really horrible, brightly lit conference room, having awkward conversations with people in, people in suits, which is obviously yeah. horrifies me. Yeah. But really, it's just meeting people and talking in the right way and putting yourself out there and getting in touch and all that kind of thing, yeah. which I think is really important. That's what the Design Community Hub hoping will just help a lot of people with that it makes design agencies accessible for students because yeah. you can they can see where all the jobs are they can see who the right people to speak to are and they can just reach out and say hi I love that and it's such a small world as well I think mm. the other horrible thing about networking as a word is you you think it's a transactional relationship so you think yeah. you're going you know, you're networking because you want something from someone or you want <laughs> you want them to want something from you whereas actually just going out and meeting people and being curious and interested in you are making all those connections that and those connections that I made in the early part of my career I'm still working with those people now you know I didn't call them up and ask to collaborate in the first 10 or even 15 years perhaps you know it's just that you met them, you kind of know who they are, yeah. you know what people are doing, you've got your eyes open for things that you like and people mm. that it would be sort of nice to collaborate with in the future. Definitely. Yeah, just going to events and going to design events mm. and if there's something on at the DNAD, go and see it or the DBA puts something on, go along and just getting yeah. involved and sharing your face and stuff like that. And that's a really important thing to do. And not feeling like you have to have answers or you have to have good chat. You know, just go. And everybody's feeling a little bit intimidated at the beginning when those events, they still scare me today sometimes. Oh, me when too. When you've got a room full of, of people and you're like, oh, I'm sure I recognise that person. When did I meet them? It's quite an intimidating yeah. kind of environment. <laughs> and um, you just have to not worry about that and turn up. Yeah, I think 99% of people find it slightly intimidating walking into an event where they don't yeah. know anyone. We always, yeah, mm. we can change that. So how, how long were you at Trickett and Webb before Together Design came up? Was that the um, next step? Um, not, not quite. So I was at um, Trickett and Webb for seven years, and it is also the place where I met Katia, mm. my future business partner. So she, we had worked there together. I think she joined a couple of years after me so we'd we'd been colleagues working there for around five years 
And then Trickett and Webb were were thinking about winding down and doing doing other things. And at that point, I I left to go freelance. Katia left to go to another agency. So we both had a had a sort of a year apart for about yeah, I think it was about a year, eighteen months, and then missed each other and had sort of kept meeting up as friends and just thought, you know what, we could we could do this. We could start something. And my freelance work had had gone well. And um so I knew that you know we had we had work enough for at least one person. And, <laughs> That's a good start. And then even though Katya was full time at an agency, she had been asked to be on a panel to help choose a design company for an arts organization mm. that was run by someone she knew. And we had a discussion about it. And then she had a discussion with the arts organization and said, look, I'd love to be on your panel to help you choose an agency, but actually I'd like to pitch for it. And so me and my friend Heidi are going to pitch for the work if that's okay. So that's how it happened. And we were working on this pitch. It was a lovely project. We were excited about working together again and we made the decision to that she should hand her notice in and we should set up a company whatever happened so we t- <laughs> no pressure to this poor arts organization <laughs> but in the pitch meeting we said um they i think they asked the question how are you going to do this work because we know <laughs> we know katia has a full-time job but <laughs> ah well she handed in her notice last week and we're ready to go so please give us the project. So yeah, <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. So, yeah. so what was the project? What was it? It was working for an, an arts organisation in Harrow and to working with them on a rebrand and some, some of their marketing material, setting up new templates for them. And that was our first client as Together Design. Is that when, did you have the name Together Design at that point? Did you have the whole thing fully formed or...? Um, mm, good question. No. So Katia had done, she'd done a book design for her partner, Matt. He's, he's in TV and I can't even remember what it was, but she'd, she had this word in her head together. And so she'd put that as the credit on this book that she'd designed for him. Mm. And we thought, well, that'll do. <laughs> we we knew we didn't want to call it our surnames. That was that was yeah. clear. Like we'd we'd seen the difficulty of that with agencies who had their names on the door. That's hard to to then elevate other people in the company. It's yeah. hard if one person wants to leave. So we were looking for something else and we we really didn't want to spend too long thinking about it. And we thought together, that's nice. That that works. That talks to collaboration that surely is going to be quite important. So um, that's how we came up with the name. Yeah, I love it. It wasn't really very well formed apart from that. Although I do remember we did write a business plan in the first couple of months. Mm-hmm we didn't show it to anyone I don't think it was just for our benefit to sort of think about our ambitions I'm not sure we ever looked at it again yeah the early days I think it's good just to be able to feel like there's progress 
and a path involved to that progress, isn't it? Whether you actually kind of do that or not. I think we do, we create business plans now, sort of 12 years into Red Setter that we do actually stick to and kind of look at yeah. fairly often and stuff like that. But I think early days, it's really hard to know what's going to work and what isn't. So, but it's good to have yeah. some kind of path. Yeah. Oh, well done. Maybe I should get that dusty <laughs> one out. <laughs> Great business plan. Have a look at how we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother. It's going to be quite boring. <laughs> I think I did get it out on year five and thought, yeah, we've done this. <laughs> yeah, kind of what we're doing. Ooh. That's very good, looking back and realising you have. So how did you start? Did you did you have a premises? Did you have a studio? So she travelled from, she was already living in Walthamstow and I was living in Kilburn and mm. she would travel over every day and we would work from my spare room. Mm. So it was proper kind of kitchen table stuff. And we did that for the first year and then took the risk to get some premises in central London, sort of small attic room, um, above some offices on Cleveland Street in Fitzrovia. Yeah, it's, I love Cleveland Street. It's Yeah, it was a lovely place to be. And our phone system, sort of wireless phones, worked from the pub across the road. So <laughs> we, could, <laughs> we could have drinks on a Friday and still answer the phone. Um, <laughs> That's important. I think we got our first uh, full-time employee around year one, one and a half. What we did do, which I would recommend to anyone starting out, is in our first sort of few months, we went to see all of our friends who'd started agencies or people we didn't even know. And mm. we would call them up and say, could we, we'll bring wine, we'll bring pizza. Could we just come and pick your brains? How did you do it? And we were looking at all these agencies feeling quite sort of intimidated about how mm. they'd grown and become what they what they were and it was very nice to go and chat to people because it was through that that we realized no one really has a blueprint there isn't yeah. everyone's kind of winging it everyone's feeling Definitely. lucky that they've managed to keep going and that was very reassuring and, and also showed us what a lot of goodwill there was out there for people to succeed and people are in this industry are usually very friendly, very happy to share hints and tips yeah. or horror stories. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really good point about asking people's advice that maybe if you overthink it, you might think, well, they're not going to be, sh- they're not going to be happy talking to me. Yeah. But I think it's, people are really open and happy to talk about things and to share advice. When we first started working in the States about six years ago, um, I spoke to, I didn't particularly know them at the time, I do now, Gush, who set up Bulletproof, and Jonathan Sands from Elmwood. Mm. Spent quite a lot of time on the phone just talking to me about how they set up in the US and how they work with US clients, even though it's a design agency and we're a PR agency. It was more just how things to look out for and pitfalls and all the stuff they found. In actual fact, we've never actually opened up a premises in New York. We intended to at the time, we do all from Brighton, but it was so useful we might have just plunged straight in if I hadn't have spoken to them first and they were really lovely and really helpful there's always someone who's done something in a similar way before you have and I mean I'm always really happy to talk to anyone who wants to listen about our experiences and I've found everybody 
tends to be like that. You just don't have to have the answers. And yeah. even, you know, we're yeah, in our 19th year now, and we've still we're still asking, how do you do this? And what do you what do you think is important? It's just so important to keep asking. Massively. But things change all the time, don't they? It's the I remember someone saying to me at Red Setter years ago, should I put off doing that until everything's settled down here? Because it feels like things are changing all the time. Like, no, things will be changing all the time, really, yeah. without it being completely insane changing. But things will always be changing because you always want new ideas and you always want fresh ways of doing things and always trying yeah. to improve what we do. Yes, you'll be waiting a long time if you know, <laughs> things to settle down. <laughs> things still haven't settled down, never will. <laughs> so who's your first role? Was it a junior designer that you employed at first? Yes, it was a junior designer, although we had always, throughout all of our years, we've always worked with someone who's more on the planning side, strategy side. Mm. So when we started, we worked with um, a friend who had run her own agency and she would help us with business development and proposal writing. Mm. It was We've always had somebody in that role who is a good kind of sounding board to say, well, why aren't you doing this? Or yeah. why aren't you looking at that? We have a great financial advisor who is also there as a voice in our ear, sort of pushing us to think about things in a different way or you know, think about our rates or whatever it is. So we've we've never really felt like it was just just the two of us there's always been a team around us who are the reason why it works yeah yeah I think that's really important isn't it external advisors as well yeah as you get yeah as you grow a little bit sort of start sounding ideas off people again it's just very important to do and you don't have to pay obviously you don't have to pay people a lot of money at first it can just be asking people for ideas and there are lots of organizing well things like design community hub and VA mm. and YCN and lots of great organizations where yeah. there's good events you can go to or people you meet along the way and and then people you can find to give you yes more professional paid for advice yeah definitely so when did you think um when did together design when did you think we we're kind of making it and it's first taken off did you have like significant points in together where you think that was a step change Around year two, year three felt like quite a a point in time because up till then, we'd generally been sort of running the business during the day, designing at night, trying to do everything ourselves. After year two or three, where we had a couple more people on the team, that certainly felt like, okay, we can can predict certainly for the next few months income Mm. coming in. We've we can, you know, we had some regular clients, we were in our premises, that definitely felt like, okay, it's, it's off and running now. So that I think was a milestone. The other sort of big ones have been starting our shop. Um, that was an ambition we'd held for a while. And we did that around eight or nine years ago now, I think. Can you tell me more about that? What's it for? And what, what made you decide to start a shop? Well, we'd been doing a lot of work in packaging and gifting for various different retailers. And we liked the idea of having our own shop. We liked the idea of sort of putting our 
talents and our passion in a shop window. Mm. And it felt like a really nice idea to also hinge our sort of various marketing activities from. So Mm. we have a collection. It launches every year. We've always had a big party every year, not in the last two years, but (laughs) generally it's been a big party right from sort of year two, like 100 friends lots of wine um it helps that katia is the daughter of winemakers um and so the 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 party became the launch event for the collection mm-hmm. the collection always has a theme so it could be a technique or um a color or a particular issue that we're passionate about and it's a small collection we also liked the idea of putting ourselves in our clients' shoes. So in that small way, we're doing what our retail clients do. We're we're worrying about product development, we're worrying about production, delivery, distribution, all of those things. So it felt like a really nice thing to do to say, we do understand in our small way some of the pressures that you're going through. So all of those things together make the shop um the collection comes out we have this big party it gives us our client gifts it gives us things to talk about um in newsletters and mailers and things and it's certainly more of a exercise in showing the things that we care about rather than money making definitely yeah i like the way it loops everything around so you feel like your own client almost as well you must learn a lot from that yeah we've learned a lot and it's it's also over the last sort of nine, 10 years, we've done a lot of licensed brand style guides. So for people like Roald Dahl, um, Agatha Christie, those are brands that will sort of meet their audience in in new ways through products, through experiences. And um, we'd always done sort of design toolkits for licensed brands and in the last couple of years, we've developed our own licensed brand that this year was on sale in Boots. And I think it was the, it's just, when I look back, it was those years of designing products and gifts. It was then those years of having the shop. And now we've got our own brand in a, in a retailer's. There's something yeah. pretty amazing about that. definitely I love it I think that looks fantastic would you be able to you know um, give a description actually of what a licensed brand is in case anyone listening doesn't quite understand the terminology of that yes it's a it's a strange word really and there are people thinking of better ones but it's any brand that has products experiences that other people produce for them so a children's brand like the Gruffalo that's that's a book and it's become an animation a tv show and then it becomes a trail around a park or it becomes a ride a, a, a sort of roller coaster ride it becomes uh, products on the shelf and it can't you know the brand owners can't do all of those things themselves they have to work with other other sort of professionals so Um, A manufacturer who makes, for example, pyjamas will buy the license from Gruffalo to to use their artwork, to use their brand on their pyjamas and will 
usually help sort of distribute those pajamas into the stores so that's the way that a lot of the a lot of the stuff you see in stores whether it be star wars or james bond or uh, peppa pig um that's that's the way they they come into the stores as licensed um partnerships yeah yeah i agree it's a bit of an odd word isn't it but it is quite a large part of design and brand really isn't it that yeah into boots at christmas time and see ted baker products or jules products or something like that it's all licensed brands yes exactly so what's your could you move on to like your role now how would you describe your role now and what you do is it very different from when you first started it is different because I'm not, you know, I've stepped away from design over over the years of Together Design. So I yeah. don't design. There are more moving parts to, to manage. So my role today is part managing director, part creative director. Mm. Primarily, I think of myself as a plate spinner. It's, it is my responsibility to cajole, to nudge, to coach pulling the jobs in to the studio, pushing the projects through the studio, just making sure that everybody knows what they're doing at the right moment. I think that's that's really what I what I do now. Yeah, and that's a good way of looking at it, isn't it? Just making sure everything happens and moves along and to the best the best it can be. Yes. Yes. I think our both Katya and I would say that what we care about has changed over the years of running together design that at the beginning there was certainly that desire to build your portfolio and wanting to win those awards yeah and to be known for the work that we produce and over the years we have certainly turned our attention to the culture that we create and Mm making the ideal conditions for everyone here to to do their best work that feels as rewarding as that time when the when the projects come out or or are published if people are having a nice experience of working with us be that our team or our collaborators or our clients yeah actually that that we've realized that's why a lot of people come to us yeah that's a really good point is that mainly done through creating the culture or is there external the things that you do I don't know outside of just the cultural stuff I think the cultural side of things is hugely important but less tangible than giving people free coffee or you know like I don't know half a day on Friday and all that kind of stuff you can bolt on but getting a really nice culture there's like the most important thing I think just it's that feeling that we are we are all here pulling together for the same aim and but we've got to have a nice time while we do it and we, yeah. we all work really hard you've got to work got to work hard in the in this industry but you don't have to doesn't have to be an unpleasant experience everyone to feel really well supported through the work that they do, through training that they get, just making sure we do things to keep our creative juices flowing. Oh, what do you do on that sort of side of things? I was really interested in that. How do you keep yourself inspired and up to date and the team as well, actually? So we have a number of things that we've been doing for a number of years. We've got things like Together Tuesdays, which 
uh, very rarely held on a Tuesday, um, but they are a time for us as a group to learn a new skill or experience something new. It's, um, usually, it's usually in the creative realms, but not necessarily design related. So it might be us going to an exhibition. It might be chocolate truffle making. We had a magician come to teach us magic tricks. Did you? I love that. Life drawing with geckos, all sorts of things. It was over lockdown, was harder to do, but we still did tie-dye t-shirt making and things like that over Zoom. So doing those those things are lovely because you meet other practitioners in the in the creative creative world but you just try your hand at something new which is nice um we do our sort of show and tells we have an annual forum where we get together to talk about the direction of the company there's the the sort of training things that are out there and available to everyone in the industry through ycn and dnad and dba And we're getting much better, this has been a long haul, at doing show and tells as well internally, just making that time to stop and look at what other people are doing. Even though we're a small team, we're only 15, you can so easily have something that passes through the studio Mm. that other people haven't seen and had a chance to congratulate. So those are some of the things we do just to keep it you know keep our juices flowing we also we do a trend report twice a year um we do reports in sustainability and i think that really helps us all keep our eyes out scavenging magpies that we are to see what's out there and what's new and interesting and putting it into a sort of formal presentation that goes out to clients is a good exercise to make mm. sure that we're we're doing it and doing it kind of rigorously yeah yeah I like that the trend reports are a fantastic idea it's got dual purpose hasn't it sending it out to clients reassuring them that you're at the cutting edge of what you're doing but then you learn lots in the process yeah and it, you have to have a bit of um rigor about it like you can see a really nice thing but that's not a trend if you've just seen one example of it you have to yeah, to find three examples in the last year prove that it is something, something that's happening. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's really good. So, so it, going back to sort of just the design industry in general, is there any aspects of it that you find quite challenging, or have you got to the point where you're kind of doing your own thing and it doesn't bother you so much? One of the, I mean, it's got to be pitching, hasn't it? Pitching is yeah. continually challenging. It has got a lot better and we do understand it's a necessary evil but on occasion it's much harder than it should be you know those we still occasionally meet those clients who want you know 10 people to come and pitch for them or they want creative work and they don't want to pay for it and we have had recently I must say some really lovely well-run pitches where the clients gave you lots of their time, the work was paid, the pitch was paid for, and it felt like we were really encouraged to do a great job. Over the years, that's probably been more rare than common. Yeah. So yeah, pitching is pitching is just tough. It's really Maybe. hard, isn't it? Is that I can understand why clients sometimes want to do it, to sort of gain how the chemistry is with certain groups or how mm. your ideas are 
your, the way your thinking is on the same lines as them and whether you could work together. But it is it, the old sort of problem for me has always been the idea that someone can just come in at the last minute and introduce a bit of creative and then the client goes to them because they've introduced creative. And yeah. natural yeah. fact, you, sh- uh, you shouldn't be doing creative that early on in the process. Yeah. If you haven't worked through the brief together, then... Yeah. yeah. How can you come up with something? Then you end up where it is just aesthetics of someone saying, I love that shade of blue. We'll choose them. And it totally demeans the whole process of design, brand design. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's really annoying. I hope, yeah, hopefully it's just more of a trend that, I don't know, I honestly don't know how some clients have the time as well when they say it's like a 10-way pitch. How have they got the time to manage all that? that? Must be absolutely, yeah, swallow huge amounts of time. Hopefully it's going in the opposite direction and hopefully people can just say no to creative pitching. I think it is. We Many years ago, we were asked to do a pitch. We asked how many other agencies were presenting. They said 16. Wait, 16? 16! What? I mean, that's insanity. And I really, <laughs> I haven't heard anything so ridiculous for a many years so hopefully that's on its way out absolutely what's your maximum number I think mine was always about four if I had when I was working say to work in business development in design agencies if it was more than four I kind of wasn't interested yeah yes exactly we would three is really ideal then you know yeah that's a good number that makes sense for the client that's sensible four yeah yeah you don't need to be doing more than that definitely yeah yeah hopefully it will um start sliding in the other direction but yeah it's good to hear that you're actually getting experiences where you're having good pictures yes definitely so can I just take you back to sort of the beginning for juniors starting out today mm. if you're a junior if you're an intern have you got any tips for them starting out in the industry how to get noticed how to how to stand out I mean I think just being there yeah up at the events sending those emails asking asking for advice asking for somebody to look through your portfolio don't hold back from doing that yeah Um, you will get the odd you know non-response if people are busy don't think it's because they don't care because everybody really does so keep keep asking and if you get your foot in the door and you're maybe doing a placement in an agency again keep asking for how does it all work can you tell me about this ask for the context ask for advice ask for contacts and recommendations who else could I who else could I talk to who else could I write and send my cv to um I think that's just so important definitely got to keep plugging away at it and the other thing I would say is when you're presenting your work in an agency, do that sort of thing teachers used to say, explain your thought process. It's very easy to think that other people will just know how you came up with something, why you came up with something. And it's easy to focus on, here it is, here's the solution I'm showing you. Whereas I I particularly want to know how people think. I want to know how they've come up with something and, and why and what were the other things they explored along the way that they dismissed. Keep coming back to what part of the brief inspired that 
that piece of work or put some context around it that's half of you know that's half of my job as a creative director is putting context around the design work we show to clients so when I see other people doing it I really like that yeah I think that's very good advice absolutely well thank you so much it's been fantastic chatting to you thanks for joining the podcast and thanks for all the advice you've given it's really really helpful thanks Claire nice to chat Thanks for listening. For more information about the Design Community Hub, please log on to www.thedesigncommunityhub.com.